welcome to the third, uh, the third week of this series, Disciple, Be One, Make One. And uh, I have just, this, this week in particular, just ha- have had a, a real like, almost heaviness. Um, and I, I really didn't know what it, where it was coming from, just kind of this heaviness in my heart about um, just kind of this series and, and this particular sermon um, I, I don't think that it's one of those sermons that you're going to walk away thinking, holy cow, that was the most profound thing. I think it's one of those things, my hope and prayers, that it's a reminder of, of what a disciple looks like. And sometimes how we get caught up in the wrong idea of the source that we go to or the, the person or the group of people or the thing that we're trying to get close to. And so um, if, if you would, I know Zechariah just pl- um, prayed, but I'd love to pray too over this sermon. And Those words up there are just so powerful when you really think about them. Can you imagine when they would have seen the tomb empty and knowing that Christ had risen, everything that you and I, all the hope that we have in that moment thinking, wow, the Savior came. We actually just experienced the living God that just came in our presence and, man, the tomb is empty. Like he, he came and he takes our stuff. We can come to the altar. We can come to the place and throw out all of our burdens, throw out all of our mistakes and our sins and our struggles and, and say, God, this is, this is yours. And, you know, if you, if you believe that, I think there's some, there's some real power in the freedom that you can live. And so if you would, let's just, if you just bow your heads with me real quick, we'll just, we'll just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to just invite him in here, God. So God, I, I just, God, we're so grateful for you. We're so, um, we want to hear from you. May this be an experience, Father, this morning as we listen to worship, as we talk with each other, as we listen to the sermon. May this be an opportunity in the next half hour for us to be open to what you have. Uh, we're coming from very different stages of life, God. Uh, some people in here are, just had a really good week. They're coming off a great week. And they, they're having so much joy. And may you... Um, allow them to be grateful for that blessing that you've bestowed upon them. And then there's, there's others that have come in here and they're, they're hurting. They had a lousy week. Uh, they, they're struggling. They're, they're feeling hopeless. Whatever stage of life this morning, God, that we're coming from, may you allow our hearts and our eyes and our ears and our minds to be open to what you have. We invite your Holy Spirit in here. We're grateful that you give us the opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit, that you give us yourself and tell us that we can experience the freedoms that that you've called us to, God. May this morning we tune out all the distractions, the distractions of the week, the distractions of work, of stress, and in just for the next few moments that we can just lock into what you have. May you open our hearts. May you teach me something. May you teach uh, this group of individuals something. Just allow us to grow as a community, God. We're grateful. It's in your amazing name, the, the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. So the first two weeks, if you were not here for the first two weeks, I'm going to give you a 30-second recap, minute recap. I think there's a lot of different ideas when it comes to this, this topic of disciples. And I think there's more than three, but I wanted to highlight three in the last two weeks. So two, um, two weeks ago, basically did this thing and was talking about what a disciple could look like. Because again, you don't want to just be one, you want to make one. Remember, 
you're never making a disciple. You're never causing change in somebody's life or you're never going to change somebody. That's obviously the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's amazing that when you start getting close to God and you actually have an opportunity to become like God, you will see that people will recognize that in your life. Disciples, we want to be one and we want to make one. So week one I talked about, are you going to be fully available? There's things in my life, there's things in your life that kind of scare us sometimes. Like there's a few things in my life that make me scared. And God's saying, you need to do this and I'm scared to do it. Why? Because status is a big deal to me. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to fail. I want to make sure that I look like I have it all together. But the problem is, and I hope you know by now that uh, the amount of times I've been up here that I clearly don't have it together. But it's one of these things where it's like, I, I want to look like that. And so sitting in my comfort zone is really easy for me. To actually take a jump and do something that would be good and to do something that would even be great, why would I ever do that? Because if I fail, I'm going to look really bad. And I don't want to do that. And so Peter, we talked about it, he gets out of the boat, right? Jesus is standing out on the water. Peter gets out of the boat. Jesus knew he was going to fail at that point, but it wasn't even about that. Peter steps out of the boat. He has the courage to get out. And he was telling God at that particular point, hey, I might sink I'm walking on water, but I'll tell you, I'm going to be fully available. And he starts sinking, and Jesus grabs him. And as I've said now for two weeks, the greatest place you could ever be is when Jesus is reaching his hand down, and you're reaching your hand up, and your hands connect, even if you're in four feet of water. There's no better place to be. That's exactly where Peter was. Peter took the courage to get out of the boat, and he failed. But you know what? Jesus grabbed him. He was fully available. I don't know what's in your life. But I can tell you that if there's things that are in your life that are involving fear and you don't want to take a jump or God's calling you to something and you never feel like you can take that jump, it might be that you're not actually fully available like you're telling God you are. Because I've been there and I've said, you know what, God, I'll do it up to this point. I'll do it this limit. But if you ask for something that I can't see out in front of me or I don't know it's going to be successful, I'm not sure I can do it. See, it's easy when I can see the end result and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. I can go for that. How about when you have to do something, you have no idea where it's heading, what the result's going to be. You might even step out of the boat and fail. Who wants to do that? Nobody. Because we don't act like that. Humans are not like that. We want to plan. We want to know where we're going. The unknown is not fun. But to be fully available, you're going to have to experience potentially the unknown. And you might actually have to experience failure. Week number two, I talked about humility. And this idea that you, in the scriptures, God tells us to humble ourselves. There's really not a lot of areas in scripture where God humbles people because that's not how he operates. He doesn't just come up and try to do something and punish you so that you're humbled and you feel bad about yourself and now I'm God and I'm on top. You know how I know this? Because Jesus did not do that. Jesus was in heaven, the right hand of God. He's on the throne. He had all the power in the world. He wouldn't need to humble us. He humbled himself. He came below He actually came below us, Romans 5, 8. He came below us. We're still sinners. He dies for us. Are you kidding me? That's how I know God's character is not one that wants to humble us. I shared the story of Moses and Pharaoh. You could look at certain stories in the Bible. You could say, well, what are you talking about? God humbles people. Look at Pharaoh. He was humbled with all the plagues and everything. The whole purpose and story of that story was not to humble Pharaoh. It was to set his people free. And in the process, Pharaoh became humbled. That's not God's plan for you, and that's not God's plan for me, that he humbles us. He's asking you to humble yourself. I gave you some practical ways that you can humble yourself, and it starts with, I was wrong. I am sorry. These are tough things. I shared a story about Megan, and I can tell you a million times that I have had stories where I was absolutely wrong, 
but I can't think of a lot of stories where I went out of my way to say I was sorry. Because I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. Are you kidding me? And even if I know I'm wrong, I'm just going to hope the person forgets about it. Disciples are humble. See, I think if the church was more humble and admitted that we're wrong and we make mistakes, who knows what would actually happen? I think the world sometimes looks at us and says, man, they think they have it all together. They think they're perfect. They think they're right. They're judgmental. And there's a world out there that wants us to admit, because we do, that we make mistakes. And in fact, there's only been one person who's been perfect. And 2,000 years ago, we experienced that. And he rose from the dead, and he's up in heaven now. And he's saying, if you follow my lead, I'm going to allow you to be like me. And we'll get into that. But I need you to humble yourself first and admit that you can be wrong and you make mistakes. And the humility doesn't come from just the fact that God wants to do this to you to stomp on you. He wants you to recognize that without a Savior, without Jesus, there's no hope. You and me, there's no hope without Jesus. We're going to all live here on this earth and we're going to have our fun and we're going to have our life and that's great. And, and, and then we're, gonna, we're all going to die. And it's going to come to that point where if you don't have Jesus, there is no hope. He is the only hope. And I think that humility, recognizing, being aware that we need a Savior, that is what hope looks like. So those are the first two parts. And I want you to know that being humble and being available is a really, really, really big deal. But here's the third part that I think is really crucial of what a disciple does. A disciple is available, a disciple is humble, and a disciple disciple comes close. A disciple comes close. What do I mean by this? Does that mean you have to be a close talker and talk that far away from somebody? No. Does that mean you have to join a small group? No. Does that mean that you should just be like, you should just walk arm in arm with everybody? Why don't we line everybody up and we'll put, we'll put our arms around each other and we can walk around the church? Is that what I'm talking about? No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about coming close is who you're coming close to, what you see in value of actually getting close to somebody and what that looks like. You know, I've heard a lot of different times about this uh, you know, when people are, are talking about hobbies and what they like to do, they often say this, oh, you know, I like et cetera, et cetera, long walks on the beach, long walks on the beach. I feel like you hear that all the time. It's kind of a g- generic thing. We love walks, long walks on the beach. First of all, a beach is long. Why do we have to say long walks on the beach? I get it. If you're walking on the beach, you don't need to say long walks on the beach. It's a long beach. But that's just my little annoyance thing right there. But long walks on the beach. We all Love long walks on the beach, am I right? I don't even like sand, so I'm not even a huge beach fan, but I do like walking on the beach. And if I were to ask you, you'd probably say, yeah, I love long walks on the beach. Why do we like long walks on the beach? Does anyone know? Would it be perhaps that when I'm walking on the beach, it's a nice, cozy, white sand. I'm probably in Siesta Key where half of northern Indiana goes on spring break. That's my shot at Siesta Key. I like that place. But anyways, you're walking on the, you're walking on the beach. You got these nice, this nice white sand man, you got the water and like the waves, it's crashing, it's really peaceful and you look around, it's like, this is paradise, man, this is cool and it's like maybe it's also the fact that you know that when you start getting hot, you can relieve yourself and just jump right in the, right in the water and cool off this is fantastic is that why we like long walks on the beach? I, I don't think it's why we lock, like long walks on the beach, this is why I think we like beach walks most people, when they're walking on the beach, they're not walking by themselves, am I right? How many of you, show of hands, on a weekly basis, well, first of all, not many people walking on the beach on a weekly basis around here. How many of you guys like a nice walk on the beach by yourself? Anyone? Just, a, just love to do? Okay, that's understandable, though. That's understandable. I do like a nice long walk on the beach by myself, but not very often. 
Most of the time, people like long walks on the beach because you're with somebody else, right? So if I'm walking on the beach, chances are I'm with somebody that I want to talk to. So I might be with Megan, and here's the cool thing about walking on the beach, and it's one of the reasons I think people like to do, is because you're walking with somebody. There's no phones out. There's no Facebook. There's no Instagram. You're not watching ESPN. There's no TV. I have this person's full attention. Whenever I've walked with Megan on the beach, it's not about the TV at that point. It's not about Facebook at that point. It's not about the outside world. It's me and Megan walking on the beach and talking about things, getting to know each other better, walking together. I was in high school and I was a sophomore and we went to to spring break and I think, I don't even remember, there's so many people that went, I can't remember that year. There was like, I kid you not, there's like 15 or 20 families that we all went together and there's like 30 of us guys. It was ridiculous. But we... I remember it was me and my two buddies. We were going to go on a walk on the beach, and then we were going to, this other dude that had just met us there, he, he was from out of town, he flew there, he met us there, and I didn't know him real well, but I had heard some things about him, and uh, I don't remember how I heard, heard that. I'm kind of drawing a blank on the story, but anyways, so it's me and my two buddies. It's this guy that I don't really know that well, and so we're talking to him, and I got this preconceived idea of who he is. Like, you ever had that before? It's like, hmm, I've heard some things about this guy. Like, I don't think he's a real good guy. I don't think he does good things. I got, I got kind of an idea of what he's going to be like, and he probably talks like a jerk because I've heard he's a jerk, so he probably talks like a jerk, probably speaks in jerk. I don't even know what that is, but it's like this dude is probably just like a bad dude. I had this, you know, this idea in my head. So I'm walking, with, I'm walking and I, I'm starting off. Like, it's pretty surfacey conversation. Like, so, hey, man, like, are you, uh, like, you play, you play football, don't you? Yeah. Like, how's the, how's the team looking this year? Oh, pretty good. Oh, cool. Like, yeah. So, like, are you, like, what positions do you play? All this stuff, surfacey. All of a sudden, I don't remember if it was him or if it was me, somebody asked something a little deeper. Maybe not just about football, like, hey, man, so, like, blah, blah, blah. It's amazing in that moment how my perception changed of this person. From what I had heard, this guy was a pretty big jerk or tool, however you want to label it. Or this guy was just not a very friendly dude. He was doing bad things. He just wasn't a very good guy. You don't really want to be around him, all this stuff. And as I'm talking to this person, I'm like, This isn't this big, mean, studly football player that I keep hearing about. This guy is somebody who actually has a heart and actually cares about people. It doesn't always come across that way. Yeah, he's got some issues. So do I. And I started to get to know this person. And all of a sudden, my my perspective and my perception of this individual changed completely. And I started thinking, man, you know why I'm getting to know this guy? Because I'm walking with him. I didn't read about him on Facebook I didn't hear about him anymore. I didn't ask Tim down the road or John down the road or Mary down the road about this guy. I walked with him myself. I got to see who he was. I got to realize his character. I got to understand that in the shell that he had portrayed, there was actually a person that deeply cared about people. It's really interesting when we start doing that, when we start walking with people. And I want you to see a verse in Luke that I think is really neat. I love it. Luke 640. It's a very powerful verse, and it is one of those things that when you look at you think, holy cow, I have the ability to do that? Luke 640, a disciple is not greater than his teacher, but everyone, when fully trained, will be like his teacher. Okay, what? When we're fully trained, you mean Jesus, like, I I know, this is kind of crazy, but you're saying that if I'm fully trained like you, I can actually be like you? And Jesus says, yes, dude, you're God, yes. I am God, but I want you to know. You'll never be greater than me. Keep that in mind. Again, keep that in mind. 
But if you train, fully train under me, you can actually be like me. Meaning, you're going to be able to display grace at the same level that I do. You're going to be able to display mercy at the level that I do. Not because of you, not because you're some great person, but because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are doing my commandments. You are learning how to be like your master. I can know about God and I can know of God all I want. But when I start walking with God and I start understanding his characteristics, his values, what he's like, all of a sudden I'm experiencing a God who is teaching me the fullest possibilities of what my life could look like. And it could be full. It could be absolutely full of purpose, complete purpose. You and me, when we walk with Jesus, we can learn how to be like Jesus. If you just know of Jesus and you just hear about him or you hear people talk about him or you come here on Sunday mornings, you get a little bit of info, that's great. But that's never gonna do it compared to walking with Jesus. And that's why I like Luke 640. And it's really interesting. You wanna know about power? There's a story in Acts, Acts 9, Acts 9. And Peter is in this place called Lydda. And there's this lady named uh, Dorcas. Her name is Dorcas, and she lives in Joppa. She's basically a Mother Teresa. She's doing all these great things for the poor. She's doing all these great things for the sick. She's, she's just doing wonderful things. And the community is greatly impacted by her. And then one day, she grows sick. She gets very ill, and she dies. Holy cow, the, the community is just shocked. This is a lady that's doing good. How could she possibly die? What's happening? The disciples hear wind of it and they think, we got to get, we know Peter's and Lydda, we got to get a hold of this dude. We got to tell him what's going on, see if he can't do anything. Peter comes over to Joppa and he does something that's absolutely amazing in Acts 9 and it's really cool. And you've heard about this and I've heard about this, Jesus raising someone from the dead or one of his disciples. Peter does something really cool. He takes this lady and he raises her from the dead. And then everybody in Joppa hears and they believe And they are in admiration of this God that just brought this individual back to life. Now you're sitting here and saying, okay, this is 2019, Mike. Let's get real. Not a lot of people being brought back from the dead. I get that. I want to tell you something, though. I do believe this with every part of me. The same God that we served in those scriptures back in the day is the exact same God we serve today. You talk about power. Peter was a normal dude. He was an ordinary guy. In fact, he's probably worse off than you and me because he was kind of made a lot of mistakes. He's kind of a dummy. Why should Peter be able to do this? Are you kidding me? Peter did this because why? He had walked with God. The Holy Spirit allowed this to happen. I want to tell you this morning that when you walk with God, you will bear fruit. And if you do not walk with God, you'll never bear fruit. There's a lot of us that will come to church, and this is great. We'll come. We'll hear the sermon. We'll get excited. We'll think, okay, this is, this is awesome. I, get a little, I learned a little bit about God. I learned a little bit you know, about the scriptures. This was kind of neat and, and whatever. And we live in this consumer society. So as long as I'm entertained, I've, I've heard this before, you know, whether, oh, um, that message really spoke to me. Or I've also heard, ah, that message was like, it, I, didn't, I hope it fed someone else. It didn't really feed me. Let me tell you that this church thing and this disciple thing is not just receiving all this information. It's not just getting as much knowledge as you possibly can. A disciple comes close, meaning a disciple walks with God, understanding that the more and more he gets to know God, the more and more that he's going to understand God, the more and more that he's going to get close and close and close to God to the point that his life is going to bear fruit. You want to know something? You can see where you're at spiritually by looking 
at the fruit that you're bearing. So what do I mean by this? If you're a person that is bearing fruit, the things of God, the things that you're able to display, the kindness and the mercy and the grace and all that stuff, and you're walking with God, you might say, you know what? I'm bearing fruit. I'm proud that I'm bearing fruit. You can also look at your life and say, I know a ton about the scriptures. I had a buddy. He was on my AAU team. He knew the scriptures. It was unbelievable. His parents would have him like study the scriptures. He was in a very strict home. He knew the scriptures front and back, back to front, left and right. You can't even, I mean, he knew everything about the scriptures. And then the rest of the guys on the AU team, like we would almost just like be like, okay, what does this say? And he could rattle it off. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. This guy wasn't walking with the Lord. He never walked with the Lord. He never claimed to be a Christian. In fact, he's admitted to this day, I'm an atheist. I don't think there's a God. I don't wanna have anything to do with God. But to this day, he could run circles around me when it comes to the scriptures. What this shows to me is it's never been about all the knowledge that you know. It's never been about all the the scripture you know. It's been about walking with God. So if you're coming here on Sunday mornings and you're getting a tidbit of information and you're getting some knowledge you can take with you, that's wonderful. I can sit up here and talk about love all day, preach a sermon on love. And if I don't go home and love Megan in my own life, then what good does that do? Well, I wanna show you what good that does. In Romans 10, one to two, I think there's a, it's one of the most interesting pieces of scripture. It says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire, the writer, the writer is just very straightforward here. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved, for I can testify that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Holy cow, are we kidding? Are you getting this? I, this is nuts when I think about this. Brothers and sisters, my heart's, so this dude is literally praying for these individuals. This makes no sense to me. He's praying for these individuals. He's admitted that they have a zealous for God. Do you know what that is, zeal? That, that's like, you're like passionate about something. You're like very passionate. You want the knowledge. You're in pursuit. These individuals are zealous for God. The same individuals that are zealous for God, he's praying for they might be saved. Like that does not make any sense to me. How can that be? If I have zealous for something, how am I not like... Wouldn't I be saved? If I have a zealous for God, would I not be saved? But look what he says. But their zeal is not based on knowledge, knowing that it's true knowledge. What he's saying there is you can have all the scripture you want. You can have all the knowledge you want. You can be the holiest person that you, you know, want to be and portray. But if you're not walking with God, if you don't know Jesus and know his character and walking with him, if you just come to church, that's why coming to church and all that stuff, it, that's great. But that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you. God doesn't have a tally at some day. You're going to, oh, you went to church 630 times. He doesn't care about that. He wants to know Monday to Saturday, did you walk with me? Were you walking with me? Were you on the long beach? And were you walking with me and understanding that I was, I was talking to you? Some of the, the walks, it's not even recorded. It just says God was walking. And Blair's talked about that before. It, it's not even about like the scripture capturing what was said because we don't even need to know because in that moment, it was a private conversation between God and his disciples. This verse is shocking to me because I do think it absolutely separates the idea of knowledge and it absolutely separates the idea of knowing Jesus. God doesn't want you just to know about him and know of him and talk to other people about him and listen to a podcast. Those are great. Those are all helpful things. I'm not saying, what's your source though? Because if you're running to a counselor all the time to get your source, yeah, you might feel good and your problems might be improving. That, that's not gonna do anything for you in terms of growing close to Jesus. I understand that God can use people 
God can use things. God can use anything he wants. I totally understand that and I totally agree with that. But I'm talking about the source. And what it's trying to tell you in that part of scripture is that this guy was praying for individuals who had a zealous, a passion for God. But he was praying that they'd be saved. This is not a turn or burn sermon saying, hey, you need to like, make sure you're saved. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to come close. And in Romans 10, 1 through 2, 10, uh, 1 through 2 I think it kind of sums up. Some of you guys, I also want you to know, some of you guys are running to people who are as empty as you are. That's the problem. There's two sides to this, who you run to. How many of you guys have your go-to person that you dump your junk on? Anyone? You just know this is your person that you're going to dump your junk on. How many of you are that person that everybody dumps their junk on? How many people? Anyone? I know you guys are lying because nobody's raising their hand and I know you guys are lying. You guys are either being dumped on or you're dumping on, well, I probably should rephrase that. Some of you guys are dumping your junk on some people or you're getting your junk dumped on you. And some of you guys are doing that and you're going to people who are just as empty as you are. Like you're feeling empty and you're running to this person and they're just as empty. Or some of you guys are running to people that actually know what they're doing, like, like, like I said, with counselors or something. And that's terrific. God can use those people. I'm not saying he can't. But when that's all you're doing, when that's all you're running to, you're not walking with God necessarily. I've heard that so many times. Well, I, yeah, we, you know, I don't go to church. I don't really need community because I, you know, I'll listen to a, a podcast or I'll listen to a, a worship song. And, and those are great. Those are great. But this idea of community, this idea of coming close and being a part of God's kingdom and being involved in each other's lives and running to the source of God is really, really crucial. I want to tell you something, but I'm going to have my two individuals come up here real quick, if you don't mind, and we're going to get real practical here in a moment, and I am running out of time. Wow. So I'm going to have them hold this, this sign right here, and I want you to see what it says real quite yet I'm going to have you stand right here face that way and hold this sign I'm going to have you come down here go as far as you can so you almost fall off the edge so that if you do this crowd starts laughing stand right there would you and then even maybe a, a little bit further back can you tell me what that says right there all right you sure you don't have 20-20 vision? What's your deal? Blind. You're blind. All right, come, come a little bit closer. Let's, let's walk this together. Tell me when you can start seeing what that says. Man, you might need to get your eyes checked. No, I'm just kidding. I can't see it either. Can you tell me? Broken. Broken. Okay, come, come a little closer. Let's experience this together. This says broken. When you get close enough... To God, you're actually able to see the things that maybe is going on in your life. Can you flip that real quick? Now, yes, I know. In the first service, they all start laughing at me. I thought, okay, I got to be honest. I thought it was my zipper open. It wasn't that. I realized I spelled beautiful wrong. I realized I spelled beautiful. And I was up here for like quite some time talking about this. And I'm like, like everybody's laughing. Like I'm actually trying to be serious, you know. And like everybody's laughing. And I'm like, dude, what are you guys, are you like, what, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? We're getting joy over here? Like, what's happening right now? And yes, I did check to see if the zipper was open. It wasn't. And I thought, okay, beautiful. So I, don't enter me into a spelling bee. Let's get past that. God has the ability 
to take something broken and turn it into something really beautiful. But the problem is, if you never come close enough to see this, can you flip that back over real quick? If you never get close enough to be able to see what's actually going on in your life, because back there you were not able to see that, and that's totally normal. Nothing wrong with your eyes. In fact, you are a great-looking human being, and you have beautiful eyes. Thank you. What color are those? Those brown or something? Those are really nice. All right, go ahead and give them a round of applause just for just an incredibleness. Thank you, man. And uh, tell your wife she's beautiful. But anyways, no, don't do that. But uh, so, so the whole idea is just this fact that, like, you're over here. You want to know what's going on in your life, and you're not really quite sure. And God is like, here's the deal, man. Like, if you just come close enough to me, you'll be able to see. You know why that was this small, too? You just think God's trying to play a prank on me? Is God trying to be funny? God, God wants you to come close. So sometimes he doesn't make this huge, big blow-up thing so that you can see it. Sometimes it's as simple as him standing there holding a sign that tells you what you are. And the reason it's small is not so he can play some sick game on you. It's so that when you're over here, you start to realize that I know a lot about God. I see God over there. I know that's him. I know he's gracious. I know he's loving. I know he's kind. But I'm not close enough and I'm not walking with him to really know what I am. And right now, as you get closer, you realize maybe... Maybe it's brokenness. Maybe it's hopelessness. Maybe it's addiction. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're even aware of it and you're thinking, I don't even know what to do. And Sometimes it's about getting close. Not sometimes. All the time it's about walking with our Savior. And I want to give you real quick four, four fast ways because, wow, we have two minutes left. Um, can I get the band to come up possibly so we can hurry? I'm sorry. Um, I want to give you four quick practical things that you could draw close, very simple. You could dive into his word. You hear this one all the time. Ah, jump into the word. You really could. You could jump into the word. You could start to understand who God is by reading his story. You could connect with his people. Doesn't mean you have to be in a small group. There's so many opportunities of people. I'm looking out in the crowd right now. I see all these people that serve. They're involved in his community. You could connect with his people. You could admire his creation. Understand that the sun is coming up every day and the moon is coming up every night. There's order in the world. And you could admire that and say, wow, I feel really close to you, God. I feel like in this quiet moment you're speaking. Or you can consider his promises. Have you ever done this before? Just looked up his promises? Just Google it. You can Google anything. Google his promises. And all of a sudden you're seeing stuff. And when you feel hopeless and feel like there's nothing going on in your life and you can never do right, remember God is good and he's faithful. And if you look at his promises, you'll realize he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's always had a plan and a purpose for you. And I think that there's an opportunity for you and for me to walk with him Monday through Saturday. The verse that I want to end with is extremely challenging. In fact, I was at Big B Coffee this past week. I got to be honest, I felt like I was cheating on Starbucks. I actually did feel kind of convicted. But I was at Big B, which actually, the new Big B on 17, a terrific place. But anyways, Big B Coffee, just a wonderful place. So I was at Big B Coffee, and uh, I was sitting there, and I, I, I read this scripture that I'm about to show you. And I have to be honest, I don't even know what came over me, but I, I really did. I, I got teary-eyed. I started, like, basically crying. I had to go to the bathroom, so I'm like, this is super embarrassing. And they're going to be like, you, you spill coffee on you? What's going on? But I started crying a little bit, and... and I say a little bit. And I walked back to the, uh, the bathroom and I thought, what's going on? And it hit me. I have seen this verse so many times and then 
turned right around and sinned. And it's 1 John 2, 3. It's probably the most challenging verse I've ever read in my life. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. This is saying that if you're going to follow after Jesus, and you're going to take that serious, and you're going to walk with him, that when he's talking to you on that long walk on the beach, you're going to remember what he said. And when you part ways, you'll take with you exactly what he said, and you're going to try and apply it to your life. Church isn't about a bunch of information coming at you. It's not about just getting all this scripture and all this knowledge. That's terrific. My buddy at AAU, kid knew every scripture. He's not walking with the Lord. This verse is intense because if you want to know how you know God, it's you will keep his commands. And you might not understand his commands if you're only hearing about them from somebody else or from a podcast that maybe, you know, again, I, I'm not ripping podcasts, but sometimes we just got to go to the source. Sometimes we got to jump into the actual scripture and say, what is God like? I don't care about this person's opinion. Honestly, my opinion up here doesn't matter. If I say something today, like I'm sure I messed up on stuff. If I say something, heck, come to me. Because you know what? Series number two last week, I was wrong. I get stuff wrong all the time. I pronounce names wrong. I couldn't even spell beautiful right. I mean, good grief. I, I have issues. Like I get that. So I'm going to admit like I was wrong. I don't, I, if you walk away being like, That's, that guy gets it in theology. Dude, I, I mean, I'm just working through the scriptures. And from what I see in the scriptures, it's a God that's telling you and telling me to come close, to come close enough that we might actually know him and that we might actually obey what he's saying. And so that's my hope and that's my prayer. And I want to end with this idea that God doesn't want you to know of him or know about him more than you actually just know him. There was three people up on those crosses. Jesus was hanging up there. There was a thief on the cross. As we close out this three-week series, I want you to get this picture. We got the thief on the cross right here. We got Jesus right here. We got another thief on the cross. I don't know if they were five feet, 10 feet, inches away from each other. I don't know. But there was a very physical close proximity between two thieves and Jesus. One of them is extremely, extremely, uh, you know, close to him and, and probably looked over. And he knew at that point, he knew of this Jesus. He knew that there was something about this guy. He probably thought, ah, I can't believe this guy thinks he's God. They're just, he gets what he deserves, whatever he was thinking. And he didn't even really care. And then there's another one who's the same closeness and physical proximity. But because it's not about the physical proximity always, it's about the heart. This other guy hanging there senses a closeness with Jesus and realizes at that moment, wow, this is God. He doesn't have to go through class 101 to 110 to get saved. All He just says, hey, I mean, can I be with you? Because at that moment, his heart knew that Jesus was the savior of the earth. And Jesus looks at him and says, yes, you can be with me. You're gonna be with me in paradise. I think it's a perfect and beautiful illustration of what I wanna close with about this idea of closeness. It's amazing that sometimes you can know about somebody, you can hear all about them, and you can come to the conclusion that you actually know them. I don't want you to walk away today feeling really bad about yourself and being like, oh man, like, I'm not sure if I'm even saved. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I, I hope that you walk away feeling challenged, maybe even convicted. I can promise you this particular message convicted me hard. Like I said, I was crying in Bigby. That's a conviction right there. And I sensed that the Holy Spirit said, Mike, you know a lot about me. You hear a lot about me. You talk about me. 
can I challenge you to even walk with me a little closer? Get on that beach. Ask me what my heart's about. Ask me what I want for this world. Ask me what I want for this country. Stop talking about yourself all the time and, and, and then hearing about me from other things. Like, dive in with me. Walk with me. May you be individuals this morning who walk with Jesus. May you be the person on the cross, two people that were equal distance and proximity physically. One did not get it. He did not understand that it was about walking with Jesus. He just knew of him and thought, this guy is just something else. And this guy realized, wow, it's not just about knowing about him. I want to walk with him. Can I walk with you? And Jesus says, you can walk with me for the rest of eternity. Would you go ahead this morning and bow your heads with me? God, as we close out these three weeks, my hope and prayer, Father, is that we understand that a disciple is somebody who's available. We understand that a disciple is full of humility. A disciple is somebody who comes close, God. I know there's more components of that. I get it, but we wanted to highlight three in the last week. And my prayer today, Jesus, is that we walk out walking with you. We're people that need you desperately. We don't want to just know about you. We don't want to just hear about you. We want to be in the game. We want to be a part of the story. So what I ask this morning, God, is that you would challenge us. You'd convict our hearts. Maybe we are, we're sitting here and we already knew this. Terrific. Sorry I wasted their time. What I hope right now is that if that's the case for somebody, they're sitting there and they already knew this, may you even challenge them to humble themselves in this moment and say, God, I want to have ears and eyes that are open towards you. And I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to humble myself and be open to other people's opinions. Be open to what you have, God. Because it's amazing what you can learn from people who are different than you. Or see things different than you. I think that, God, you work in so many amazing ways. And we put you in this box. And I don't want to put you in this box. I want to see you as the God that you are, and I want to be able to see that by walking with you daily. May these individuals and myself and our band up here, may everybody in this room walk with you throughout this week, Jesus. As we go home today, let's not just talk about love. Let's not just talk about you. Let's pursue you, and let's love one another. Because if we know you, we're going to obey your commands. That's challenging. And that particular verse, God, will convict me the rest of my days because you know there's been moments I've looked at that verse and I've went the complete opposite way and completely sinned against you and I feel so so guilty and so shame so much shame afterwards and I don't want to because I want to know that your blood is covering me and the more and more that I walk with you God the more fruit that I can bear let us be a church that bears fruit Jesus that cares for one another loves one another displays grace to one another, displays mercy to one another, gives kindness when we don't deserve it, goes out and tries to uh, meet other people in the church, goes over and gives a, a helping hand or a friendly handshake to those that we don't know. May we be a community, God, of disciples. We're so grateful, Jesus. I, I'm beyond grateful for these individuals. We love you, and it's in your amazing name, Jesus. Amen.